This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, friends. You know, as a parent, I spend a lot of time thinking about how much my kids are learning, how they're thriving in their school settings, especially now that I'm not just a public school mom, but also a homeschooling mom. I find I'm thinking about my kids learning so much more than ever before. You know, even in the best schools, your child probably isn't getting the one-to-one teaching they need to reach their full potential. In a classroom with dozens of kids, teachers may not have the time to customize their approach. At Baiju's Future School, students receive personalized attention and a world-class learning experience completely online to supplement their in-person school education. With small group and one-on-one learning, Baiju's Future School is committed to helping students become creators and shift from passive to active learning while building skills that they will use for the rest of their lives. With Baiju's Future School, students have fun learning and exploring subjects with an interactive, activity-based curriculum that inspires their creativity and sparks that lifelong love of learning that all parents want their kids to have. Baiju's Future School currently offers coding and music courses for grades 1 through 12 and math courses for grades 1 through 8. Keep an eye out for even more subjects that are going to be launching before you know it. So Awesomes, join the millions of parents accelerating their kids' learning today. Your child can build their own Minecraft character in the first four weeks. Visit byjuice.com slash podcast to enroll in your first four classes. That's a $99 value for just $9.99. That's four classes for just $9.99 at byjus.com slash podcast. It's January 7th, 2022. We are kicking off a brand new year. And I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of hard to get into the spirit of the new year this year. Many of us are in extended survival mode and the whole world still feels kind of topsy-turvy. So I know you are going to absolutely love hearing this conversation with an amazing woman from our awesome community. The Reverend Mary Lee Downey is joining me today. And Mary has some thoughts to share with you. As we begin this, the year of our Lord, 2022, I know you're not going to want to miss this. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sort of Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you, No matter what age and stage of life you are in, I'm so thrilled to tell you that you have come to the right place. If you are enjoying Sort of Awesome, please make sure that you have subscribed so that you never miss a new episode from us. 
And if you love what we are doing here on the show, pop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. We actually really do get new members in our community all the time who tell us that they found us on Apple Podcasts. So believe it or not, those ratings and reviews really do help people find this show. Well, all right. Like I said, the Reverend Mary Lee Downey is here today. Now, Mary, you told me off mic that it's okay if I just call you Mary, right? <laughs> yes, please just call me Mary. I often tell people it's just Mary. So okay. just Mary is fine. <laughs> well, we very, very, very rarely have members of the clergy on the show. So I'm, do we go with like the good reverend or the rev or like sister Mary, mother Mary? That might get confusing for some oh. of us. <laughs> So we will go with just Mary. Now you are a longtime awesome. You're a superstar. You are someone that I have wanted to have on the show for years. So I truly, truly am so honored and so grateful that you are taking time to start off the new year with me and with our awesome. So welcome to Sorta Awesome. I am so honored to be here. I, as you know, Meg, have followed your work for many, many years and have been an awesome and a superstar for a long time too. And it's just so great to share with our wonderful community today. I'm so, so grateful. I mean, truly, as you know, because you are in the trenches of ministry, accompanying people along the way, you know, in your real life community and in your in-person community, as well as being active in online communities that so many of us are, well, we're a lot of things, right? We're exhausted, I think, <laughs> mostly. Some of us are finding hope in, in some places, but some of us are kind of struggling to find the light in the darkness right now. So I'm so grateful that you are taking the time to come and share with us. We're going to talk about Mary's, you know, kind of her, like her background, how her life led her to ministry. We're going to talk about all of that. And then Mary has some special words to share with you all the awesomes as we kick off 2022. We're going to get to all of that here in a little bit, but let's start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. The first ones of 2022. Awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever's making life a little more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product, whatever is bringing a little extra sparkle to these January days. Mary, what did you bring for awesome of the week? Okay. So first of all, I want to say bringing an awesome of the week was much more intimidating than I thought. <laughs> yes. So just warning to the community, like <laughs> trying to find, oh, what do I need to tell them about the most was yes. really challenging. So <laughs> shout out to everyone on the team who does this every week. Like you guys are rock stars because it was very hard for me to choose. <laughs> But I did choose something and I am very excited about it. And so I want to share about the Creative Fox Pro Undated Planner. Oh my gosh. First of all, you are tapping right into my very heart and soul right now. I did not know you were bringing a planner. I'm so happy. brought a planner. I'm just so happy. And listen, I am like a planner person in general, like it's how I keep my life together. And I actually have been, dare I say, a disciple of another planner brand for Uh a very long time. But this year I wanted something a little different. Okay. And so I did some research. I mean, gosh, there's so many different planners options out there. Like there's literally like, I found this great site that talks about 
planner for your Enneagram number, which by the way, awesome. Like those who don't know, I'm an Enneagram three mm-hmm. with the wing two. Okay. So you guys see that everywhere in my life, obviously. <laughs> so a planner, of course, being a three, super important because especially we like important. to look at the future, right? Yes. Which is why I love this planner. Okay. Because, all right, Meg, you ready? I am so ready. This planner. Okay. First of all, it's undated, which is very important to me because Mm -hmm. dated planners just stress me out. Yes. I am not a person who always plans my day every single day. Sometimes I get too busy and I forget. Mm -hmm. And if I have a dated planner, I feel a lot of compassion for the unused pages of a planner. Oh, yes. I am the same way. And then I feel guilty yep. for and not then, yep. using those pages. And then I don't use a planner at yes, all. Yes, yes. That is my exact experience too. Like I feel so, it's like when you were in college and you like stopped going to class for just like a few times. And then you're like, you never want to go back to that class. Cause you're like, oh no, I already missed like two right. classes. That's how I feel about planners when I like, you know, have an off week or I'm sick or whatever. And then there's all those pages. I'm like, well, now this planner's ruined. I can never Correct. use this again. <laughs> Correct. (laughs) So I found the key to that is to get an undated planner. So smart. Yes. So if I need, you know, a full week where I don't plan, that's okay. Like there's freedom. And whenever I decide to come back to my planner, right? Yes. So it's undated, which is super important to me. But also this planner is very much about goal setting. Ooh, very three energy right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness, yes. Goal setting and awareness and self-discovery. So I'm just going to give you some of the examples of the questions that this planner asks you. Okay. So one is, you know, a typical question, like what is the vision for the life that I want? What are my core values? These are questions that I ask myself all the time because I'm a three, right? But one of my favorites was what or who should I avoid? in order to live a happy and more fulfilled life? Mm. Like that's an excellent question that I Mm -hmm. did not normally ask myself, right? Yes. This planner also, and I'll show you because we get to Zoom. Yeah. It has a vision board. (gasps) Built right into the planner. Right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then this is the crazy part. Okay. This is the craziest of this planner. It asks you, what do I want my life to be like? And then Meg, one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and 20 years from now. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. And as intimidating as that sounds to all the people who don't Uh, like to plan their uh lives, (laughs) for me, I was like, I actually would like to think about what I am going to do 20 years from now, (laughs) because I had not asked myself that question. So if you are looking for a good planner and because I know January 1st has already happened, again, undated, you can start any day you want. I highly recommend the Creative Fox undated pro planner. They have a weekly version too as well. So like if you're not a daily planner person, I need a day-to-day, you know, and the day-to-day is really great too. It talks about your main goal, it has a schedule, it asks you what you're going to do today to make you feel happy. It has monthly plans, it has weekly plans, it has reviews at the end. Great planner, loving it so far. That is my awesome of the week. I'm obsessed. This sounds amazing. And I especially love the fact that it is undated. I do already have a planner for this year, but I'm like, 
I can also get this though and like use it in conjunction. I am, I'm so happy. <laughs> Thank you for that. We will absolutely have a link in the show notes for anybody else who yes. is as thrilled about Mary's Awesome of the Week as I am. So loving it. Okay, my Awesome of the Week is the Disney movie Encanto. I was- Oh my goodness. Okay, okay. Have, you, have you seen this? I saw it in the theater. Oh, okay. I have seen it on Disney Plus multiple times. Oh, good. Yes. Let me hear it all. I am really quite obsessed with this movie. And it's not just me. My teenage daughters are also obsessed. So it's something that the three of us have absolutely bonded over. Now, we did not see it in the theater. It was just kind of like under the radar for me, not for most people. But I just didn't even realize it had come out in theaters, all of that. And so I, like many people, watched it on Disney Plus, where it is streaming now. And so I watched it with all of my kids and it was so magical. My daughter has since gone to see it in the theater with her friends. My oldest daughter has because they love it so much. We are all singing the soundtrack all of the time. I hope that you all will make time in your life to see this movie. Even if you don't have children, it is so magical. So let me give you the context in case you aren't familiar with the movie Encanto. First of all, this is Disney's 60th animated film, so that's pretty huge. Unlike the animated films of the past where we have the Disney princesses and a lot of the storylines, not all of them. There's certainly, there was many that were not, you know, based in the princess and the romance, those types of things. But that was kind of what Disney was most known for, I suppose. Definitely where most of their merchandising went, right? <laughs> to the princesses and their princes and the love stories and all of those things. Well, I was saying this on the December Overflow. I was telling my sister about the movie. She hadn't seen it yet. And so I was trying to kind of like sell her on watching it. And I was talking about how I feel like in this, the Frozen era, like Frozen onward era of Disney animation, that we're really getting a lot more films that explore things beyond the princess and her love story. We have films that are exploring like family dynamics the inner lives of the characters and their struggles, personal growth, interacting with their communities. And I think that Encanto absolutely does all of those things and it does it really well. So it takes place in Colombia. It tells the story of the family Madrigal. And they are a family that the abuela or the matriarch of the family, her name is Alma, she and her husband Pedro had to flee their home, their community, along with their triplet infants when they were little tiny babies. Sadly, Pedro dies, but Alma is given a miracle, a gift of magic for herself, for her children, for the family. And so the story follows, and our main character is Mirabelle Madrigal. And she is the one member of the family who it seems, did not receive a gift of magic. And so she also happens to be the one that understands and can see that there are cracks forming in the miracle that was given to this family. And she is trying to sort of solve the mystery sort of of like what's going on, where what's happening to our family's magic. Ultimately, I'm going to start crying. Ultimately, this is such a beautiful story about how each of us are gifted in our own ways. Oh my gosh, I did not know I was going to cry about this movie today. <laughs> I've already talked about it with I my kids it. so many times. <laughs> I get it. It can also make me cry. It's also yes. 
about generational trauma. Yes. And how to like be the person who steps out of that generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Huge theme of that in this for sure. For adults who are watching the movie, I think you will pick up on themes of like what political conflict and strife does to communities and the plight of the refugee and all kinds of things. Like if you're an adult, you're definitely going to pick up on a lot of the bigger things that are going on, but kids love it too. And a huge part of why kids love it so much is of course the soundtrack with original music written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Many of us know him from Hamilton, from his writing from Moana, another Disney film, all kinds of things. And Mary, the soundtrack, the girls and I keep joking that he like embedded heroin in the soundtrack somehow because it's like (laughs) so addictive. We are all walking around singing it all the time. We have all three of us found our way onto Encanto TikTok. It's so like- Same, same. (laughs) I'm in Encanto TikTok world too. Yes. So many good things out there around Encanto and TikTok for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We are just loving it so much. And truly, again, I would say whether you are young or old, if you're a parent or not, whatever the case may be, this is just a film that you don't want to miss because it just, it really speaks to the human experience in so many ways. And it really is so magical. So loving Encanto. (laughs) So good. I agree 100%. And my kids and I, we were singing it all the time and um, it's just, yes. So good. Uh, there's also a lot of older sister vibes happening in that, yes. in that story. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of good things in there. So much good stuff. Okay. So I will put some kind of link in the show notes or maybe a couple of links. So you guys could go read more about Encanto if you want to. And like I said, we'll have the link for Mary's planner in the show notes as well. So Mary, we have so much to talk about. I cannot wait to hear because this is a story that I don't even know, even though we have, you know, been in the same circle for a long time. I don't even really know the story of how you came into, you know, found your path into ministry. So I can't wait to hear about that. And then of course, the main reason I wanted Mary to come to the show for this, the first episode of 2022 is to share some words for all of us as we go into this new year. So we're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Hey friends, the seasons may be changing, but your self-care routine shouldn't have freshly shaved baby smooth skin feels great in any weather, especially when you're slipping into your favorite pajamas or those cozy sweats. I mean, if you're anything like me, maybe you tend to skip shaving in the winter. I know I used to do that. Used to because when I met Billy, I discovered I actually like shaving my legs. Billy is the best razor for women at half the price of what you'd expect. There's no pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, no irritation, no matter what. And as it gets colder outside, my skin totally dries up, which is why I love shaving with my Billy razor because Billy razors are super moisturizing and they help detoxify my skin with a built in. 360 degree charcoal shave soap. Billy's crazy affordable starter kit comes with their award-winning razor, two precision five blade refill cartridges, and of course their cult favorite magnetic holder. You guys know I'm in my mid forties. I've been shaving my legs for a long time. Billy is hands down, honest to goodness, the best razor I've ever used. And you know, I've totally gotten my teen daughters on board with Billy too. None of us ever skip shaving now because it honestly is so nurturing, so moisturizing, so nice 
to shave with our Billy razors. So don't suffer another second paying a pink tax for a bad shave. Go to mybilly.com slash awesome to get the best razor you will ever own while supporting this show. Billy is half the price of other razors plus free shipping always. Just go to mybilly.com slash awesome. That's spelled my B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash awesome. That's mybilly.com slash awesome. Okay, we are back. And Mary, like I said, you have some wisdom, some insights that you're going to share with us. But before we do any of that, I would love if you have just like a little snippet of what you can tell us about what life looks for you right now, just in terms of family, where you live, your vocation, just kind of give us a picture of life for you right now, January, 2022. Absolutely. So I live in Kissimmee, Florida. So I'm in central Florida. Okay. So like Disney world, but like the land of Disney (laughs) in Kissimmee, right? There is a whole lot of Disney happening around me all the time. There's a lot of Disney magic for sure. Yeah. And that ties into a lot of my work that we'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. I've been married since 2004. So I don't know, like that's like 18 years. And I have three boys. They are 11, eight and four. So they keep me very, very busy in the home front. My husband, he stays at home with the kiddos, but also does some freelance video editing work. And that's actually what brought us to Central Florida originally is his video work. Okay. But as my career took off in ministry, he kind of has transitioned into being more of the person who's home with the kids because I spend a lot of my time as the CEO and founder of an organization called Hope Partnership, who works with families and individuals who are experiencing homelessness and poverty. And that is connected to my call to ministry as a clergy person in the United Methodist Church. Okay, awesome. I love all of that. I definitely want to hear because probably the thing that I associate you with the most in terms of your ministry is your work with people who are experiencing homelessness and poverty in your community. And I definitely want to hear so much more about that, but like, take us on the journey on the path. Did you grow up in the Methodist church? Did you grow up thinking like someday I'm going to be a preacher or anything like that? Give us a little bit of the story of how I'm sure you could probably use a whole episode to tell that story, but like, what are the highlights? Take us on the path of how you grew up to become a clergywoman. Sure. So it could take a whole episode. So I'll try to like skim it down as much as I could, but um, I actually grew up in South Arkansas. So that is where home base was for me growing up. And I grew up in the Southern Baptist church. And so um, those who are familiar with the FBC know that it's not exactly the most affirming place all the time for women. No offense to anybody who's still SBC, but it's just not necessarily the place for women who feel called to ministry. Mm -hmm. So I discerned a call to ministry at uh, 13 years old and told my pastor and uh, was pretty much told, you know, that that wasn't a real calling. And so Mm. that was pretty heartbreaking for me, but I was pretty devout, um, you know, Southern Baptist girl. And so listened to the authority of my pastor. I went to a Southern Baptist college my first year of college. And about the same time that I was there, I started dating my now husband, okay. who is a United Methodist. Mm-hmm. And so I've known Martin all my life. We grew up together. We've known each other since first grade. We started dating in college. 
And in my hometown, there are two colleges that are rivals. And one is the Baptist school where I was. And then the school across the street, they're literally across the street from one another, was formerly a Methodist school that became a state school. Okay. And that's where my husband was going or my boyfriend at the time was going to school. I and feel like this is a perfect setup for a rom-com. Like this is the best, <laughs> even though you guys grew up together, this is like the perfect setting for a meet cute, like college <laughs> rifles so. turned to lovers. <laughs> so good. Probably so. But no, we already knew each other and we were really good friends off of school, but I wasn't necessarily really happy at that school um, because I was discerning the call to ministry and was just really struggling with some of the doctrine and theology of the Baptist church and whatever that may be. And he kind of convinced me to start coming to his church and start maybe transferring schools. And so I did that and um, have been a United Methodist ever since. Love it. In the United Methodist Church, obviously, we ordain women and have a more open theology and doctrine around women in, in ministry and leadership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so did you go on to seminary? I'm not sure, not being familiar with the UMC, I wasn't sure like what the path looks like in terms of how you take that step from schooling then out into ministry. But so you did spend some time doing seminary, it sounds like. Yes. So I actually did not discern my full call into ordination until after we'd moved to Florida. I was doing a lot of work in the United Methodist Church, but had a journalism background got my bachelor's in journalism, got my master's in art history. And so really wanted to be in the journalism and media world. But when we moved to Florida, I was offered a job at a local United Methodist church here in this community. And I discerned my call to full ordination in that space. And then I went to seminary. Got Uh, it. I had a newborn, a about six months after I started seminary. Wow. And, uh, finished when he was two. That was yeah. my first kiddo. So I, I graduated seminary in 2012. And then the ordination process in the United Methodist Church is actually pretty intense and takes quite a while. So it was actually about a 10-year journey for me before I was fully ordained. Wow. So I'm sure as you are continuing on in seminary and then actually getting out and working in churches and working with communities of faith that you're kind of beginning to notice like you're maybe drawn towards certain people groups or towards certain problems or issues that you see in the community. Is that around the time when your heart for Hope Partnership was born? Pretty close. I was working at this downtown church while I was in seminary and we actually had a dinner on Sunday nights for those who are experiencing homelessness, mostly people who are experiencing homelessness in places that we would call unfit for habitation. So people who are living on the street or other kind of more dire circumstances. And it was a great ministry in the fact that we were meeting some basic needs of people. We were providing food. We were providing some support. We were kind of picking up some, you know, individual basic needs and addressing those. But what I realized as I was doing the work is that when I looked around the community and I saw people who were experiencing deep poverty and homelessness, I didn't really see anybody addressing the more systemic issues mm. that people who experience poverty and homelessness experience. So both the systemic issues that affect people on an individual level, but also the decisions that are made at a you know a more governmental public policy level. Okay. So 
what we often say is, you know, we help people identify their individual barriers that perpetuate homelessness and poverty. And we also help our community identify the barriers that we put in place that perpetuate people's homelessness and poverty. And so that's really what I started to see and started to kind of formulate partnerships and talking with other nonprofit providers and trying to figure out where are the gaps in our community and how can we step in and start providing some resources and some solutions around those gaps. Wow, that is a lot. And that is such incredible work to be doing such an incredible need in so many communities. I can only imagine that with the onset of the pandemic now almost two years ago, that some of the issues like you were talking about systemically, but also felt on an individual level, I can only imagine that some of that need has intensified even. What have the past two years been like for you in leading at Hope Partnership? Are you seeing uptick in clients and and those kinds of things? Give us a picture of what this has been like for you guys. I think, you know, what we really have struggled with as an organization is stepping into those gaps in ways that we never imagined. Sure. Yeah. And trying to, I'm a very strategic thinker. So I'm always, as we talked about, I have a planner, right? I'm always trying to think five steps ahead. And in the world of a pandemic, stepping, trying to think and step five steps ahead is just impossible. Mm. And so it forced everyone on our team to be looking and staying very present to our current circumstance. One of the things that we often do with the people that we serve is we survey them and ask them, what are the things that you are needing right now? How can we step in the gap for you? What is it that you are really struggling with? And for the longest time, when we asked that question, the answer and the answer is still in a lot of ways was housing and security. But for the first time, the answer was food insecurity, overwhelmingly. Mm, Now, food insecurity had been in the top three, but Mm -hmm. it had never been our number one need. And so we had to pivot as an organization to figure out how could we step into this immediate basic needs gap of making sure that people could feed their children. And so we went from having just a small food pantry that offset some of our case management strategy to having a food distribution that fed over 50,000 heartbeats over the course of the pandemic. And so that was a huge shift for us as well as, and this is a lot of people probably don't realize, but the cares and rescue dollars that came down from the federal government had to be administered out into communities. Mm. Mm -hmm. And we were recipients of some of those funds. But as we received those funds, we also had to staff up very quickly. So I went from having about 17 people on my team to 30 (gasps) so we could meet the needs of the community. So we saw a lot of growth as an organization, which was wonderful, Mm -hmm. but also I became a different company. We became a different nonprofit within the pandemic. Yes. Oh my gosh. Basically doubled in size. It absolutely sounds like not just expanding the services that you're offering and who you are offering services to, but just to have your organizational team grow that much. I can only imagine the past few years have probably felt like a whirlwind then in a lot of ways. In so many ways, we just kind of felt like we were just kind of just trying to stay one step ahead, at least as much as we could, and offering ourselves and the leaders in our community and the people that we serve just as much as grace as we possibly can. The mantra that I kept saying is, no one knows how to live in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. No one knows how to lead in a pandemic. And so all we can do is offer ourselves grace and do the absolute best that we can with the tools that are in front of us. Yes. So that's what we've committed to doing. And we have, you know, 
Last year, we were still able to provide housing support for 200 people moving into their forever homes, hopefully, um, uh, 25 of which were people who were living on the street for more than two years. And so the other huge struggle we have in nationwide, but Central Florida, is we just don't have an adequate housing stock to address all mm. of the need that we currently yes. have, which is the other caveat of our work are families who are forced to live in hotels and motels along mm. our tourism and hospitality corridor. Okay. Yeah. And I can only imagine the dynamic that is there already because you are living in such a heart of tourism in our country. I'm sure that brings a very unique dynamic that other communities may not necessarily experience in the same way. Yeah, I think that, you know, as people think about Central Florida, I mean, they obviously are thinking about the most magical place on earth, Mm -hmm. but there is a, there is a backbone to that magic and not just, just, not just, I don't like to blame or shame any of our corporations or companies in this community because we're all doing the best that we can, Mm -hmm. but we have a backbone of our community who needs support who are underemployed, who don't have the access they need to proper transportation to get to work. And we as an organization want to help strengthen that backbone because without them, that is one of the things we learned in the pandemic. Those are our essential workers. Mm. Without those folks, our community doesn't work. And so we have to make sure that they are cared for and appreciated as our neighbors. Mm. Absolutely. What a unique calling that you have. What a beautiful way I feel like this is such a beautiful imagining of, and not just imagining, obviously you're living it out day to day, but what a beautiful picture of what it truly means to be, you know, the body of Christ is something that we say a lot in Christian circles to live out the call that Christians answer to love our neighbors, to see how this looks in a very specific way in Central Florida through the work that you're doing is so beautiful and so powerful. We're definitely going to have a link in the show notes for Hope Partnership. If you guys want to learn more about Mary and this organization and the work that they are doing on the day-to-day, you guys can go and check that out, what she's doing there. It's just so So truly awesome, which is another reason why I wanted to have you on Sort of Awesome because I'm completely and endlessly inspired by the work that our awesomes are doing in the world. So absolutely. We have so many great people doing great things. I love to see all the wonderful things that happen. I get to be a part of it. It's awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to take another short break, but when we come back, Mary is going to share some words with you guys. I know lots of us have been throughout the past two years, kind of looking for voices of leadership, even though, as Mary said, many people who are in leadership are like, I've never done this before, but we're just going to do what we know to do in this moment. But I know many of us have been looking for words of support, especially here we are at the beginning of 2022, when many of us are feeling a little, or maybe a lot burned out and run down. We're going to ask Mary what she would have to share with us. So we're going to get to that when we come right back. Okay, friends, it's the beginning of the year. If you're anything like me, you're doing a little refreshing, a little cleaning up, a little decluttering. How about doing some decluttering with your bank account? Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need 
want and those that you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Companies like to make subscriptions hard to cancel, but Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. You don't have to. You guys, I have been using Truebill for a couple of months now. I am completely obsessed with this app. Truebill has found so many subscriptions that I really did forget that I signed up for. And they found a bunch that my kids had signed up for that I didn't even know about. Truebill also helps you keep an eye on your spending. It keeps you totally updated and feeling so healthy, strong, and confident about your finances. I am obsessed. So Friends, don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash awesome. Go right now, Truebill.com slash awesome. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash awesome. Okay, friends, it's the new year. I hope you are getting that burst of New Year's energy. You've got things to do and projects you want to tackle. You don't want to spend time in line at the grocery store or hunched over your stove. If you don't want to have to meal plan or prep, you can leave your meals to Factor. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious, you wouldn't believe that they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup, no dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives prepackaged and ready to eat in two minutes. That is way faster even than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand in hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with more than 27 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Factor learns my preferences. They offer even vegan and veggie meals, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep me fueled and focused all day long. So friends, head to go.factor75.com slash plans and use code AWESOME120 to get $120 off over your first three weeks of meals. That's AWESOME120 at go.factor75.com slash plans for $120 off. Okay, Mary, we are back. Thank you again so much for sharing with us your story of how you found yourself in ministry and the specifics of what your ministry looks like right now, how it's been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. All of us in some way, some of us in major ways, some of us in ways that we might feel like, well, I'm really fortunate because it hasn't had that big of an impact. I mean, there's a whole spectrum, but all of us have been impacted in so many ways by the complete upside down that we've been living in for the past few years. So I asked you what you thought you might like to share with the awesomes as we move into 2022. So I'm just going to kind of turn the ambo, the podium over to you to share your heart with us. So I, you know, I thought about how I could share with the awesome some encouraging words, some thoughts on how to step into this new year in such uncertainty. I think that that is actually a really good thing to acknowledge first, is that it is uncertain, that there is so many unknowns. And sometimes just being honest with ourselves about that can kind of relieve us from 
whatever expectations we're putting on ourselves, whatever type of, you know, guilt or shame that we might be feeling, some of that is rooted in the fact that we are all experiencing collective trauma. Mm, And, you know, our organization, we're a trauma-informed organization. And so a question that we are often asking ourselves and others is not what is wrong with you, but what happened to you. Mm. And that what happened to all of us happened to all of us. And so when we're responding strangely, we're like, why can't I just get it together? Mm. A quick reminder that you are experiencing collective pandemic-wide trauma. Mm, yes. That yes, COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the trauma is also a pandemic. Wow. And it is affecting us in ways that we might not be aware of. And I think being gentle with ourselves first around that, super important mm. because it's real. Yes. I think it's in Try Softer and the author of that book has escaped my mind in the moment, but she talks a little bit about how like she thought for so long that she could just like hard knuckle it, just like Mm -hmm. I can just push through. That doesn't happen in a pandemic. There is no just pushing through. We have to allow ourselves to acknowledge what we're actually experiencing. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but oh my gosh, that is just hitting me. It's so true that when we think pandemic, we think of the actual virus, the COVID-19, the very real sickness, death, and long-term effects of the virus itself. I had not thought about that there's a sort of parallel pandemic that whether or not you've been affected by the virus, that we are all experiencing the collective trauma of this pandemic. That puts so many things into such clearer focus and it hadn't even made that connection before. Well, and I think what we try to do oftentimes is we like to play like the, well, somebody has it worst game in our head. Mm, yes. And so if someone else has, because terrible things have happened in regard to this sure. pandemic. People yeah. have lost their lives. Families have been completely disrupted. People are experiencing long-term effects. All of those things can make us kind of think, well, you know, I shouldn't feel this way because so-and-so this happened to them. And that is so much more mm. quote unquote worse. Right. But the reality is, is that we all are experiencing different things and all of our realities are real. Another really important strategy around trauma-informed is is thinking about dualistic thinking, that Mm. it is not an either or, it is a both and. And so someone else could have experienced the pandemic differently. And you also experienced it the way that you experienced it. And both of those realities are fair and real. Yes. They're valid. One is not more intense or deserving of more support than the other. And so I think, again, giving ourselves the ability to admit that to ourselves yes, is a good way to step into 2022. And maybe that will relieve some of the pressure that we may have building inside of us that we didn't even know was there. Mm, absolutely. And then the other kind of thing that I just, you know, wanted to say to the awesomes is just that in our work, we believe that people who are going through whatever trauma they're going through, homelessness, poverty, a pandemic, that's a lot of brokenness. Mm. And so sometimes we can identify ourselves only with that brokenness. Mm. 
And so what we try to remind people is that it's not brokenness. It's not because you're broken, that you are not this person. You are not defined by this brokenness. What you are defined by is your belovedness. Mm. Yes. And so it doesn't matter what spiritual persuasion you may be, what beliefs that you hold dear, or if you hold any beliefs at all, when it comes to faith, all of our spirits, all of our beings are valuable. They are worthy. They are beloved, completely and totally loved. And so I think that is the other thing that I would really just encourage our awesomes to be thinking about is how to honor their own belovedness. So many times we only let our inner voices talk to us about our brokenness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know so that is so true. Critic, right? Mm-hmm. We let our self-critic just go on and on and tell us all the ways that we are broken. But what if we allowed our inner talk, our quiet time, what if we allowed ourselves to let that be about our belovedness instead? Yeah. Yes. About all the good we bring to the world and to those around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm taking into 2022. I mean, I, my long list of brokenness, all the good, wonderful things I get to share with you, but I'm a child who came out of trauma and abuse and poverty myself. My list of what homelessness looks like in my own life, it can be long. I can spend all day in those spaces and those are not who I am. Those are things I experienced. Yes. I love that. And, you know, I've even noticed that in like language that we use when we're talking about people, like with your work, people who are experiencing homelessness. I hadn't heard that term until a couple of years ago when Nate Hoffer, our co-host Rebecca's husband, Nate, who also runs a shelter who, you know, provides support in all kinds of ways for people who are experiencing homelessness. He brought that term to me on the show and it has profoundly changed how I think about it. And, you know, we talk about there's so much discussion in our culture around language and like what words to use and using the wrong words and those types of things. And I think sometimes people can become desensitized to the language conversation, but truly words have power. And to be able to separate yourself from that thing and just to emphasize the fact that you may be experiencing this, but it is not who you are in your core, I think can help restore the human dignity that we all have and that we all crave to have that acknowledged, even if it's only by ourselves, when we can remember, just like you said, that we are not defined by the darkness or the brokenness that we are experiencing at this time. I remember that episode with me and just literally like everything he said, just like, yes, yes. Just talking out <laughs> loud to the podcast. In the yes. So I definitely admire his work and, and the things that they're doing there. And they're very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's true. Just the shift of using empowering words, empowering yes. people, reminding people of their belovedness. It is what true hope looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I absolutely can see that. And sometimes it's those simple shifts, like you were talking about, even as we're talking to ourselves, our own self-talk and our own kind of awareness of how we are speaking to ourselves and thinking about ourselves, those little shifts can make a really powerful difference as we kind of return to them. I think we've been taught to not tell ourselves that we are good in Mm. some ways. 
And so we think that, again, it goes back to that, well, somebody else may have it worse than me or someone else might have it better than me. And we've been taught that humbleness means that we don't also acknowledge our goodness. Right. And those are not the same. To be meek does not mean that you become nothing. Right. It means that you embrace love and goodness and nurture. And so those are the things that we offer ourselves. And sometimes we think that, we might be tooting our own horn by saying good things to ourselves. But if we're not going to say good things about ourselves, who is? Right. Yes. And so we have to be willing to acknowledge our goodness. Yes. I love that. And you know what? I say, let's all just like collectively give ourselves permission in our own inner self-talk this year to just go crazy with it. Just like go over the top, be extra in speaking those loving words. Nobody's going to know. If we're like, you know, bragging (laughs) ourselves up in our own inner world, in our own inner talk, it really does make a difference. And you don't have to apologize to anybody for how often you do it or how glowing you are in your own, you know, assessment of your inner life, because it's just between you and you, you and your spirit, as you really do emphasize to your own self, because sometimes, and I think that that's one thing that we've talked about a couple of times throughout this pandemic that many of us found that our usual outward, our external support systems weren't there because everybody's dealing with their own, like you said, trauma, their own upended circumstances. And so maybe if you used to rely on a best friend or a sister for a pep talk, that all of a sudden they're not available because they're trying to you know, nurture themselves. I think a lot of us have found that, okay, I got to be my own best cheerleader here. I've got to you know, tell that inner critic to shut up and let the cheerleaders take the stage. And so I think that you just, I don't know if you can go too crazy with it. I think that we're in such a deficit right now that we can really turn up the volume on really loving ourselves from an inward place. So, and I think some of us who that sounds like I can never do that. There are so many wonderful podcasts and uh, different affirmations and meditations that you can do that affirm you. And so I would highly suggest like if it's it's difficult for you to overcome that inner Mm self-critic to seek out some of those supports where you can just put them in your earbuds and you can be listening to and breathing in and breathing out and connecting back with your heart, connecting back with your inner self, connecting and, and trusting yourself and trusting your belovedness and trusting your goodness. Um, You know, for me, I believe that we're made in the image of our creator Mm -hmm. and that creator is ultimate love and goodness. And if we are made in that image, then that image is also inside of us. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I know we need to wrap up because you are needing to get back to your work. I do have one quick question for you and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot with it a little bit. I know that you know, we often talk about how we have to, if we're caregivers in any way, we also have to take care of ourselves so that we can minister to whatever that looks like, nurture those around us. What is something that you have found in the past two years is really helping you? Because not only are you as a human being experiencing this, you're a wife, you're a mother, you're guiding your family through this, you're guiding the, you know, people impacted by homelessness in your community. And now this huge team that you have, you know, more than you've ever led before. What is something that you are doing that is kind of helping you nurture yourself during this time? 
So one of the best things that I have ever learned from the awesomes is the idea that self-care and self-comfort are not the same. Right. Yes. Um, And so I have a wonderful therapist and we have wonderful, empowering, and sometimes challenging conversations. And that's a huge part of my self-care. I am a communicator. That's one of the things I love. I love to process out loud. So having that space that's very safe for me to do that, to talk about all the ways that this has been difficult is huge self-care for me. I also have a spiritual director who I do a similar type of work with around my spiritual life and what that looks like and being very honest about the ways that a pandemic affects being a clergy person and what that looks like in the church and what that looks like in a very difficult right now kind of situation, especially within my denomination. And so having those spaces where I dedicate myself to talking about those things honestly is a huge part of my self-care and probably one of the most important parts. Yes. Oh, so good. So good. I do hope that during this time, so many people have realized that, you know, reaching for outside support in a more formal way than a good you know, heartfelt conversation with your sister, your best friend, that sometimes we need to take it to the next level and have a little bit more formal support come in. I hope that so many people have discovered how powerful that could be for sure, for sure. And I think so important for people like you who are leading others through this time. So, okay, again, Mary, thank you so much for taking time to come and talk with us today and share these messages of hope and healing for all of us. If people want to find you and connect with you, connect with your work, let us know where we can find you all around the web. So you can find me mostly in the hangout group, especially in the Patreon group. I am Mary Lee Downey right there. So you can easily find me there. I am on Twitter, though I don't use it a lot, but I'm Mighty Mary. And I am on Instagram as Mighty underscore Mary as well. But you have to friend me because I kind of keep it a little locked down. But if I know it's an awesome, just let me know and I'll happily add you. Love that. Well, you can find me on social media at Sort of Awesome Meg. We would love to hear your thoughts on what Mary had to say or just anything that you would like to share with the awesomes as we go into the new year. Just hashtag Sort of Awesome on any social media that you are on. We will find you there. You can find Sort of Awesome by searching Sort of Awesome basically wherever (laughs) you are on social media. We would especially love to have you in our hangout group on Facebook. Facebook.com slash group slash Sort of Awesome Hangout is where we are. Again, Mary, thank you so much. This has been so powerful for me and I know for the awesomes too. Thank you. All right, awesomes, thanks so much for listening. Happy New Year, happy 2022, and we'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.